Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. As we are winding down another year, I want to begin a new study that may take us some time to complete. In fact, we may not ever complete it. As you know, if you ask married couples what is one of the biggest issues they deal with in their relationship, they'll say communication. And we've all heard that communication is the key to your marriage. Now, if you've been following my teaching for very long or have attended one of my marriage classes or couples seminars, you know that it's my position that mutual understanding is the key to your marriage. Without mutual understanding, you won't have communication. I've found that if you approach communication through the filter of mutual understanding, it makes it much easier to apply communication tools to your relationship. H. Norman Wright is one of my favorite authors on relationships. In 1974, nearly 50 years ago, the first edition of Communication, Key to Your Marriage was released. Revised and updated over the years, the teachings in this book are still applicable to today. We're going to take some time looking at the most current version, which was published 11 years ago. And as we do so, I'm going to also weave in some of my mutual understanding method concepts. So as we close out this year, let's jump into a time of intentional, new discoveries in our marriage relationships. Now think back to when you were dating, the types of discussions you had and the depth of those discussions. Remember, as you were dating, you were in the sales and marketing business. You were selling an image you hoped the other person would buy and vice versa. And because of that, many of our discussions were on a superficial level. We didn't want to say anything that might upset the apple cart and cast a shadow over our goal of marriage. Because of that, most discussions about marriage expectations were shallow. Why did you marry? Can you remember back to that time when your life was filled with dreams, expectations, and hopes for the future? What part did marriage play in those dreams and hopes and desires? Maybe your answer included one or more of the following. I wanted to share my life experiences with someone. I wanted someone to make me happy. I wanted to spend my life with someone I loved and with someone who loved me. I wanted to fulfill what I lacked in my own home. I wanted to be faithful to God and love someone and He wanted me to love. I didn't want to end up alone, especially when I was older, and marriage was that security. Well, as you think about that list, All of these are fringe benefits of marriage, but none is strong enough to stand as its foundation. I think that when most of us got married, we didn't really understand all we were committing ourselves to for the rest of our lives. We didn't really have a clue because no one has taught us how to do relationship. Apparently, it's this magic ability that's supposed to be granted us when we exchange vows and say, I do. 
that supernatural power that's able to work its magic on problems within 60 minutes and four to six commercials. And that's part of the reason why couples experience surprises and upsets throughout the duration of their marriage. We have expectations about marriage that we haven't articulated to our spouse, and maybe even to ourselves. Various writers have given definitions of Christian marriage. The late Southern Baptist leader Wayne Oates said, Marriage is a covenant of responsible love, a fellowship of repentance and forgiveness. Reflect and chew on that for a while. And David Augsburger, another of my favorite authors, defines marriage first by asking, Is marriage a private action of two persons in love or a public act of two pledging a contract? Then he goes on to say, Neither. It is something other, very much other. In his book, Cherishable Love and Meaning, he says this, Basically, the Christian view of marriage is not that it is primarily or even essentially a binding legal and social contract. The Christian understands marriage as a covenant made under God and in the presence of fellow members of the Christian family. Such a pledge endures not because the force of law or the fear of its sanctions, but because an unconditional covenant has been made. A covenant more solemn, more binding, more permanent than any legal contract. My guess is that your premarital discussions about expectations probably did not include a discussion of covenant versus contract. Maybe, but I doubt it. Some psychologists, marriage counselors, and ministers have suggested that marriage is a contract, and many people are quick to agree. But is that really true? And what is the purpose of a contract anyway? Think about it. A contract is basically for people who don't trust each other. Their word and their handshake are not enough. They need a contract. And in every contract there are certain conditional clauses. A contract between two parties, whether they are companies or individuals, involves the responsibilities of both parties to carry out their part of the bargain. These are conditional clauses, if-then clauses. If you do this, then the other person must do this. This type of arrangement automatically sets up a scorekeeping situation. And scorekeeping in a marriage is a relationship killer. Not only is it a problem because men and women keep score differently, but scorekeeping implies there's a winner and a loser. You can't build your marriage relationship on a win-lose paradigm. You're both on the same team. And just like in athletics, you either win as a team or you lose as a team. In most contracts, there are escape clauses. An escape clause says that if the party of the first part does not carry out his responsibilities, then the party of the second part is absolved and can get out of the contract. People who enter marriage with this paradigm, when the first sign of trouble comes, they look for the escape clause. When your view of marriage says that marriage is a covenant, not a contract, when the first sign of trouble comes, you look for ways to resolve and or handle the conflict.
Conflict is a given in marriage. By definition, we are humans. And by further definition, after the fall in Genesis, we are not only humans, but we are humans with issues. As I like to say, if you have a pulse, you have issues. And when you take two people with issues and put them together in close proximity for extended periods of time, you will have issues. If you believe your marriage vows included an escape clause, when you have issues, you'll take what appears to be the path of least resistance and look for the escape clause. If you believe that when you said, I do, that you entered a covenantal relationship with your spouse and with God, then you'll take the long view of marriage and seek help in learning how to deal with your particular issue. You'll seek the mutual understanding that is necessary. Now here's another word that we probably didn't have an in-depth discussion about when we were dating. Commitment. What does it mean to you? To your spouse? It means many things to different people. For some, the strength of their commitment varies with how they feel emotionally or physically. The word commit is a verb that means to do or to perform. It's not based primarily on feelings. It's a binding pledge or promise. It's a private pledge you also make publicly. It's a pledge carried out to completion no matter the roadblocks. It's a total giving of oneself to another person. Yes, it's risky, but it makes life fulfilling. But when we get married, we have no idea what this really means. Oh, most of us had the for better or for worse and in sickness and in health words in our vows, not knowing what those definitions might become in our own marriage. To some people, commitment to another person until death seems idealistic. They are committed when it suits them and they're not inconvenienced. But when certain problems occur, commitment is no longer valid. Commitment is more than maintaining. It's more than continuing to stick it out and suffer with a poor choice of a spouse. Commitment is investing, working to make a relationship grow. It's not about just accepting and tolerating a spouse's negative and destructive patterns of relating. It means working toward change. It means working first on yourself. Now here's another conversation you probably didn't have before you got married. There is a natural tension in healthy marriages. In healthy relationships, we continue to grow as individuals and the relationship continues to grow. And because of these changes, there will be ups and downs throughout the life of a marriage. There will be massive changes, some predictable and others intrusive, that hold the potential for growth as well as risk. Many marriages die because too many people choose to ignore the inescapable fact that relationships and people change. Thus, marriage is truly a lifelong commitment to discovery. As one man put it as he reflected on his marriage relationship, Over the 50-plus years of being married, I've been married to five different women, but they were all the same person. 
and I learned to love each one of them in their own unique way. Well, what is God's perspective of marriage? Well, our time is gone for today. And as I close, I want to encourage you during this Advent season to attend one of the many Bible-believing and teaching churches here in the Treasure Valley. If you don't have a home church, we'd love to have you visit us. Our services at Cloverdale Church of God are at 9.30 and 11 a.m. And we're located at 3755 South Cloverdale Road. That's between Victory and Amity. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.